This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Good morning, Bob. Always appreciate you on these Thursdays, especially after staying up late to uh, cover Arkansas and Tennessee. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys? All right. That was one of those games where you could probably have the story written by the 15, 12-minute mark. You know, you know how writers do this, you know? They write the stories, the game's going on. Sometimes when the things change in the game, you see everybody just erasing everything, starting over. Last night was not one of those games. No, we, we call it writing a running story. And uh, for a printed edition up here, we, you know, we mostly do the iPads during the week and your phone or whatever kind of gadget you, you have. But, um, yeah, last night with the late tip, and these games take forever. They actually take longer than football games back back when Matt was playing. Um, you know, with all the reviews and all the free throws, the the commercials, I think, of the SC Network. Of course, last night was ESPN, too, but I think commercials get longer. you got to pay those bills. And so, yeah, I actually write two leads before the game. One, and I can change it. Obviously, some guy got scores 40 points in their last second shot, but I, I basically write about, uh, you know, like Rick Barnes had never – Arkansas was the only SEC venue he had not won at since getting the Tennessee job. He'd won at Arkansas when he was at Texas. I kind of had a lead written about that, which I used that he finally got a SEC win at Arkansas. And I had another lead written where Arkansas got a, another top 10 victory after beating Duke. They beat Tennessee, but that one was, was uh, you know, went in the round, uh, when the filing cabinet, the trash can, so to speak, deleted. So, um, but yeah, that was a game that was good for one half, and then, you know, Tennessee just, just uh, took, 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 took it to Arkansas in the second half pretty soundly. Yeah, we, we Bob, we're just small, and and you can't really hold it against the the Razorback players because I think there's effort out there. I, I really do. But you, but you look at this team, and then you look at Tennessee's team, you look at Florida's team, uh, you you look. I'm talking about teams we played Auburn's team. Uh, we're, we don't match up with those guys. You know, we don't have a lot of guys that could go in and start on those teams. I, I just think there's really a lack of talent, a lack of ability. Uh, there, there's really not SEC quality player. We got a couple guys that are SEC guys, but for the most part, we we, we don't have SEC talent on that roster. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, we thought they did, or you know, the media was high on Arkansas. The coaches, you know, had Arkansas in the preseason top twenty-five poll, fourteen. The media had them at fourteen. Media had them high in the SEC poll. They just hadn't translated. But yeah, when you say si- and when you say size, I think I, you're talking about just. Like our guards, you know, like Minifield, right. he's oh, yeah. been bless his yeah. heart, you know, but he's just not yeah. big enough to play. You know, LL is same no. thing. He, they're just not big enough. Yeah, and Tennessee's got men out there that are, I know Arkansas has got some older players. I mean, L's an older guy, but like you say, he's 6'3 and 180 or whatever he is. Minifield, I think mean, he's got a, a lot of upside, but he's about one. I think he told me he was 160, but he's listed at 150. He's not big. Let's put it that way. He needs to add weight, strength, and Tennessee's just got a bunch of, uh, you, you know, older players that are tough physically. Uh, you know, connect. I, I, I no, I don't think anybody did know he was going to be this good. I thought he, you know, I was a good player in Northern Colorado. The first time I really became aware of him was when uh, the day after Arkansas beat Purdue, 
in that exhibition game, uh, Tennessee played an exhibition game up at Michigan State and beat him. I was on ESPN, and, uh, and Connect played really well. I was like, wow, that guy's good. You know, he's better than I thought. And they, you know, Ziegler coming off ACL surgery late last season is playing real well. Vescovi didn't even do much last night, but he's a, he's a good older player. Uh, you know, do their big guy. Jonas said, dude, he, had a, he just went to town inside. Arkansas had no answer for him. I, I was, I really thought Arkansas's bigs were coming around. And, and Jalen Graham played okay. Makai Mitchell didn't get to play a lot, about 11 minutes, and didn't, didn't really do much. He'd had some really good games. So, um, yeah, Tennessee just really manhandled them. Well, they're, you know, that, 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 you know. Their defensive plan, I thought, Bob, I thought they executed it to a T, uh, that they were going to make Arkansas beat you from the three because uh, we know that's not a strength. And and I really thought when Graham got the ball, I thought, I, man, I like Graham. I'm a Jalen Graham fan. When Graham got the ball, did you see how quick they were double-teaming him? They weren't letting him get comfortable at all. Oh, yeah. He had, you know, he scored eight. He had eight points and seven boards, which is a nice uh, line for not playing, you know, 40 minutes or whatever, but um, yeah, he he had trouble. You know, he's very aggressive when he gets that ball. You know, they call him spin cycles. Heard that out last year, and he was a good inside scorer at Arizona State previously. And so when he gets that ball, I think he feels pretty good. He can back a guy down. But yeah, Tennessee was making it hard to do, and he had to either give the ball up, turn it over, or take some really tough shots. I mean, he did a good job. I thought getting the eight points he did. But yeah, Tennessee's really. Really tough inside. You know, Rick Barnes teams always play really good defense. And plus, you got to remember Tennessee was coming off a 16 point loss at AM, so mm-hmm. they were not in a good mood. The Aggies didn't do the Hogs any favors there. I'm not saying Tennessee wouldn't have won anyway, but I think Tennessee, Arkansas played a very well prepared, very motivated Tennessee team that was not going to get beat twice in a row. The thing, <clears throat> losses are one thing, Bob, but then there's games like last night. And then there's games like LSU. And then there's a game like at Ole Miss. And then there's one like the one at, uh, against Auburn. I mean, I mean, historically, e- even Arkansas teams that have struggled in the SEC have competed. That's the thing that, look, if anybody would have thought that Arkansas would have had a subpar SEC season, that's one thing. To believe that with this many games left, they'd be getting outscored by an average of over 13 points a game, I don't think anybody would have thought that. That's the thing that stands out. Not necessarily the record. It's getting blown off the court way too often. Yeah, last night it could have been 32. I credit Joseph Pinion having a, a three-point play, I think, with 16 seconds left. Otherwise, Arkansas might have suffered another 32-point loss. And obviously, 29 is not good. But uh, you already saw that was they've had two of their most lopsided losses in Walton Arena this season. 32-point loss to Auburn, the worst. They lost uh, to a really good Florida team by 30. I think it was in 2012. I have to look that up. But it was early in Mike Anderson's tenure, and Billy Diamond really had it going to Florida. And John Pelfrey's on his staff, and you can't tell me there was a little bit of revenge. You know, mm-hmm. the Florida wanted to win big for John Pelfrey. I'm not knocking it. I mean, that, that's fine. You know, I like John. He's a good guy and all that. Billy Diamond, Hall of Fame coach, whatever. But. Um, yeah, and then the 29 last night. So that's that's their three worst losses ever in Walton Arena, and two of them have come this season. And, yeah, you just don't expect the Eric Musselman teams get beat like that, especially at home. But it's just it's just been a really bad year. Maybe, hopefully, for Arkansas' sake, they're getting all these bad games out of the way this year. Didn't have them before. You know, if they lost at home, it was usually, you know, a heartbreak. Or somebody like Isaiah Joe was out of first year. They lost some tough home games with Isaiah. 
You know, last year, Mississippi State came in here and won a real head scratch. That's a good program. Chris Jan's a really good coach. But And then Arkansas won at Kentucky and lost home to Kentucky. So, you know, so you can be, get beat at home, but certainly getting uh, blown out like this is, is not typical and it's, and it's not a good sign, obviously, for the competitive. You know, Eric, I think he's lying. Uh, I don't have in front of me something like t- Tennessee was, was you know, had a better spirit, competitive spirit. That was plain to see, and, and it was. Yeah, they came out in the second half and, and and totally dominated. Now Mississippi State, they don't they don't lose a lot of games at at home. That's for sure. I think one conference loss this year. Bob, it was good to see Debo back. He played all forty minutes. But another guy is Brazil. Is is he done for the year? Will Will we see him in a Razorback uniform again? Well, I'm no doctor, as, as Eric will say, but yeah, I think it's becoming uh, less and less likely he comes back because what is he coming back for? You know, right. for the NCAA tournament run, that's not happening. You know, <laughs> and so, uh, and you know, here's a guy who tore his ACL. I thankfully, I'm no athlete, obviously, but I've never had a major industry injury. And for a guy, you know, who obviously depends on jumping and running and dunking and all that stuff, I can only imagine how that messes not just with your body, with your head. And it looked like he'd had a real good rehab. And he, I thought he played well early in the year. He had a really good game against Duke, had a good game against Stanford over in the Bahamas. But then he tweaked his act against Furman. And I don't know if that messed with his, you know, like he did something, a favor in the ankle to hurt his knee or bother his knee or if it was just in his head. But he really hadn't been the same player. And I'm not saying he's terrible. I mean, he's averaging 8.6 boards. God knows. Arkansas all the help he can get. But he has not been, you know, the all-SEC player we imagined. And so if his knee's not feeling well, I think he just should focus on getting that knee better, you know, and also maybe, you know, dealing with it mentally too. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, psychologist, whatever, but, you know, there has to be something going on there because he's been out for a long time now. So I, I think it's very possible he going to play again, although I, I don't know. I didn't think Devo would be back and Devo's back. So, and I didn't pick the Super Bowl or any of those. I, I think I did pick the Chiefs, maybe. But, I, but I, you know, I, I'm, you picked the I'm Chiefs because you hate the Forty ers Bob. I mean, you've been open about yeah. it. I know why you picked them. Yeah. Yeah. So, in answer to your original question, man, I, I think there's a good chance that uh, Trevor doesn't play again the rest I, of the year. I'm just trying to put two and two together. No, I think you're right. We saw it last year. When, whenever, whenever you miss, like about, I, I think it's about four. Once you miss four games in a row, it's so your your game speed, everything kind of starts. It takes you. A while. we saw it with Nick Smith last year. It just, but he, but he came back because he felt there was a reason, there was something to play for. That, that's right. We were, we were kind of hot. I mean, and Nick Smith was. He, he's a stud. I mean, Nick, he was. He just was. He was just hurt. We never saw him at his best. What's there to play for now? Truthfully, what is there to play for now? Trying to get an NIT bid that even feels like a long shot right now. I don't, even know, I don't mean it's in a bad way, so I don't even know why people talk about the NIT because to me, if you're used to going to the NCAA tournament like Arkansas had these runs under Eric and you've got older players, uh, I mean, if Arkansas, let's say Arkansas played, I don't know, Minnesota in an NIT game, do you think anybody would show up? I, I, I think I think the NIT that's for old that's for teams that aren't used to going to the tournament. Like the NIT would be good for Georgia. Uh, if South Carolina wasn't so good, they, they would have been a good NIT team. But they're a good NCAA tournament team. Maybe that's for Indiana State if they don't make it out of the Missouri Valley. But to me, I don't care if Arkansas somehow wins eighteen games, which I don't picture that. I just don't think the NIT does anything for Arkansas. I think when this season's over, Eric. And the staff just need to get folks on recruiting. That's 
Yeah, the, the the point when this season's over, and I guess we can we can get into it then with this portal and and how quick a change was, and we saw what happened last year uh, with with guys like Darian Ford, the other Mitchell. I mean, c- coach isn't afraid to cut ties. It's, it really is. You know, gone gone are the days, Bob. Of hey, when you get a kid in your school, we're going to take care of you for four years. Man, it's one year, and then if it's not good enough, we're going to let you go and get somebody else. Yeah, and it, it takes two to tango. Does the kid want to come back? Does the co- does the coaching staff want him back? I don't expect very many of these players to be back. Either you know they've ex- exhausted their eligibility. In the case of several players, there are guys. I think it obviously makes sense to move on. There's some guys that maybe don't want to move on. And the areas our coaches are saying, well, we need those roster spots. Um, I- I'd be surprised they're saying more than three of these guys back. You know, if that many. Man, that's a that's yeah, that's a big. I was thinking the same thing. That's a big turnover. All right, hater of the Niners, um, you can gloat if you want. It wasn't your team that won, but I know you were pretty happy with the outcome. What would that feel like for you? Well, it was fun to watch. It's not like having the Packers there, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, you know, uh, along with doing those those uh, insurance commercials, I guess they're going to do more of those now with Kelsey and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it was a good game, the 49ers. You just kind of feel like what they have another double digit lead they couldn't hold. And I guess the third the Super Bowl, the Chiefs had come back in when they trailed by 10 or more. And, you know, Mahomes just, I mean, he's one of the best ever. And, you know, it's just hard to bet against that guy. I guess the 49ers were a slight favorite, but it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And the 49ers kind of made, made some head scratching decisions late, late in the game, I think. And, so, yeah, no, I was glad the Chiefs won, but it's obviously nothing like the Packers winning. I mean, that's, you know, not even close. Bob, we, we lost a legend. We lost a good one uh, in, in Dean Weber. Uh, you got a, you got a Dean Weber story for us? Well, I'm trying. I got some good Dean Weber stories. I'm trying to think of some I could say on the radio. Right. <laughs> what I'm talking about. I'll just say Dean, you know, he's, I got to know Dean fairly well as a media person. You know, back then, people can't imagine it. Uh, we after practice, we would first of all we would watch practice, and then we'd talk to whoever we wanted to, assistants, players, and then we'd go in Dean's office. We'd go in the training room where guys are getting taped. Dean would have you know me and Nate and whoever Mike are in his office, and he would just run down the injury report like an NFL team, and he would tell us what this. I mean, it's like Lou Holtz would say, and he was a coach when I first started. Coming, he'd say something like like Bill Wilson has an ankle, Matt Jones has a knee. And you're like, well, what's wrong with it? Which one is it? You know, what do you mean? We know he's got knees and ankles. What the hell's wrong with him? And so Dean would fill in those blanks. And then sometimes, you know, our editors, they'd say, well, we want to know if it's his left ankle or his right ankle or something. So I'd ask, you know, I might say, hey, Dean, which ankle is it? And he'd, he'd say, oh, take a guess. you got a 50% chance of being right. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that's a Dean story I think I can tell on the radio. Yeah, yeah Dean was just, you could tell, how, and Matt obviously can speak to this, he was beloved by those athletes. He wasn't just in there, you know, uh, taping them up and, and, you know, making sure they could get practice and play and giving them treatment. He was really a, a father. I think he was a father figure to a lot of those guys or an uncle, great uncle or whatever. And, and uh, you know, he. I remember Tom Murphy wrote a really good story on Dean back, I think it was 2018 when Dean went to the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. And that's how big he was. He was a trainer. He went to the State Hall of Fame. That's pretty impressive. And Dean talked about, had a quote from the effect of, they say humor's the best medicine, and that's really true. I mean, Dean had a had a really good sense of humor. Sometimes he could be pretty wickedly funny. And I think that helped the players. I know he and Darren McFadden were really close. Uh, you know, man, you remember these players, you guys would get these questionnaires for your bios, 
And one of the questions was, who's your favorite historic figure? And you expect people to put down, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln or Harry Truman or Red Grange or whatever, you know, Willie Mays. And it, Darren put down Dean Weber <laughs> as his favorite <laughs> historical figure. But that was really funny. That that was kind of a way that to poke Dean a little bit. But, yeah, Dean was he was a great guy. And it's hard to believe when I first got her, I think Dean was in his 30s. We obviously both are a lot older. We're all a lot older, but. Yeah, Dean was really one of the key figures in Arkansas sports history. I mean, he was there almost as long as Frank Broyles and Norm DeBryan. And then he he, trans, he uh, transitioned to the Brazerback Foundation, who I, I assume he was great in that role because the players all loved him and the alums did. And so, yeah, it was very sad news about Dean. I know they're going to have a big uh, celebration of life, I think, on April 13th during the Letterman's weekend, which is perfect timing. Dean, Dean used to plan those, and that's the way all the players that love him can be back together and – it's it's a very sad thing that his passing, but also I think it brings a lot of smiles to people's faces when they talk about Dean and and personal memories they have. Bob, I appreciate your time and uh, and your memories of Dean Weber. It's great stuff. Thank you. Okay, you guys take care. Thanks, Bob. I love when you ask somebody to tell a story about someone, and the first thing you hear is. I got to think about what I can actually tell you that's clean enough. The, the kids don't know this these days, but the Rolodex was moving. You know, it's like this one, no, this one, no. Okay, yeah, this we'll play we'll, parts of this one. Yeah, it's like some recipes you'll make for some people, some others you get the real more simple recipes. When you're on the radio airwaves, you know, there's only certain stories that you can tell. But I love hearing how how many different layers of kinds of people that he interacted with that that, that they all just love Dean Weber. Salt of the earth kind of person is what it comes across to me. If you would listen, he'd point you in the right direction. That's that's right. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dry January is over. Check out the new Valentine's Day specials like liquor-filled chocolates. They have Jack Daniels Store Pick Barrel and Willet Bourbon and Rye as well. Come by Eastside Liquor at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Hickey and Hole Law Partners are now here for you and all your legal needs in MENA and the Little Rock area. Hickey and Hole Law Partners specializing in divorce, custody cases, civil litigations, and more. Having over seven decades of combined experience to better serve you and the community you live in. Please visit KevinHickeyLaw.com or call us at 479-434-2414 for a consultation or come by an office nearest you. Things are about to get better. We uh, got Brett Dolan on the McClarty Daniel hotline here in just a moment. I just saw a story out of Alabama, AL.com, reporting that a plan to allow lottery, casinos, legal sports betting in Alabama has passed their House of Representatives. Uh, I think it's got to pass the Senate then get signed by the governor. And the jokes kind of write themselves when it comes down to it right here. Is, uh, Alabama is now legalizing gambling just in time for college baseball season. It's just a year too late. Brett, how are you doing today? <laughs> I like that story. That's a good way to start off our conversation. Yeah, the headlines write themselves when it comes to that, doesn't it, man? <laughs> how are you feeling about, uh, well, I mean, you know this is going to be a good team, right? There's no reason to think otherwise. None. And that almost scares you a little bit, right? I mean, because every coach or every fan or whatever the case may be, they they, they want to fear that uh, there could still be some hurdles and that everything isn't going to be fantastic and whatnot. But certainly the pieces feel like they're in place. And Dave Van Horn and his staff have done such a wonderful job of kind of finding their footing throughout the early portion of the season, the last couple of years, to build on it. 
Now, there aren't a lot of players returning at the, at the same position they played last year from a position player standpoint. The only guy was really going to be Strobel, who started at that position last year to start at the same position this year. But there's so much talent coming back. There's such a good rotation. There's so many good young arms. I just can't wait to see how it uh, shakes out over these first few weeks and see how it builds from there. Chances that the rotation we see this weekend, and I'm just going by the first three, because I think they might play around with that fourth starter, depending on whatever. You know, they're going to want to see other, other guys start a game other than Fisher. But for the weekend three, like what are the chances that what you start with is who's pitching the last three games of the season, too? Well, there's always hurdles, and I think we saw it earlier in seasons the last couple of years with Wiggins going down, Paulette going down even before the season started, which forced some shuffling even before the first game. I think there's a pretty good chance that it stays that way. Molina struggled a little bit in his last couple of scrimmages, and in part Dave challenged him and had him go up against the starters. And I, I got to pull Dave aside yesterday and talk to him for about 15, 20 minutes, and we talked about maybe some struggles for Molina and his thought to me was the kid's reputation is of being kind of a gamer. So let's see, you know, a little bit of adversity, throw him into the mix. Here's a guy who was a Friday starter at Texas Tech who will be a Sunday starter here. But he understands his place with Smith and Tigard and whatnot. So, I mean, I think it has a chance to be a really good one. Uh, Phil, I did interview the, the Wake Forest head coach for about 20 minutes this week on, on a perfect game show. And he's probably the only other coach in the country that has a rotation maybe going into the year as highly thought of as Arkansas's. And, uh, you know, that's just pretty rare, quite frankly, to have three guys. And, and hopefully, knocking on wood, health will, will not be a factor, and these guys will have a chance to stay in these roles all year. Yeah, I know at Wake Forest, man, they are good at, at baseball. Uh, Brad, who's a couple other teams in conference play in the SEC uh, that are going to compete with Arkansas for that SEC regular season title? I think it's going to be a lot of the same guys. Obviously, LSU is still pretty good. They don't have the skeins and the cruise combination, but they're not going anywhere. Um, and I really think, you know, you probably have five or six really good teams out of the SEC. The fear is, Matt, is sometimes those eighth, ninth, and tenth best teams can still win a game from you in a weekend, and sometimes they have the possibility of winning two. So what, what amazes me about Arkansas, no matter what the competition is, the fact that they still find ways to win games, even against good competition and, and, and middle-of-the-road competition. You know, I was just looking at this the other day, that in the last five years they've had three trips to Omaha. The two times they didn't go, they won the SEC. And you could say it's harder to win the SEC, maybe, and be good over ten weeks than it is to be good for two weeks in, in Omaha. So... Um, you know, but I know right now we're kind of fast forwarding at times and trying to look down the road, but LSU is still going to be very good. Texas A&M, I think is, is not going anywhere. Florida has always been good. I don't know a lot about the old Miss and, and Mississippi state teams because they kind of had their runs of both championships and some serious struggles, but, uh, I don't think they're going to completely go away either. Hey, Phil, who's who's better out of, because uh, we get OU in Texas in football, basketball, but baseball, we're going to get them next year. Are both of these teams, are they are they pretty solid? Is Texas clearly better than Oklahoma? Brad, I mean, I feel OU was national runner-up two years ago. Texas, wow. though, is the more stable kind of consistent program. But the SEC just gets better. I it mean, does. you're adding those two teams next year, yeah. Right, and it is, and, and Phil's exactly right. I mean, Texas is the team that feels like they should be, well, they believe they should be in the College World Series about every other year, and for the most part, they've done that, or two out of every four years, whatever it is. 
So that's a formidable team to add in Oklahoma. They're a little bit behind in the facilities compared to other SEC teams, although they did have that run to the, the championship series. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't get weaker. It only gets stronger when it comes to SEC baseball. Uh, what do you got on uh, a catcher batting leadoff? I mean, this is so interesting with Hudson White moving into that leadoff spot with Stovall's injury because, A, we don't know. We know he's not going to catch every game this weekend. Dave said Ryder Helfrick will get a chance to catch. I guess I'd be surprised if one of the other two and Polk or, or Roland doesn't get a chance as well. And maybe you see some mixing and matching uh, depending on the situation and pitchers. You can do double switches and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, I mean, why, it seems that I don't think Hudson would be batting leadoff if he didn't have an exceptional fall and an exceptional few weeks. And that also makes me think he might be a bat that if he's not catching, he's DHing anyway. Well, it's a possibility. Now, the, the one thing I pulled Dave aside with and I talked to him and I could really tell, it's not as if he doesn't know exactly kind of what he wants to do from these catchers, but he really wishes, you know, that, that Polk had another year or Roland that Roland and both those guys struggled last year and both have been massively improved this year, which speaks to the development within the program that you can be around for a year and really get better and and kind of find another gear. But you do that when you bring in white who's probably the everyday starter for the most part, Helfrick who needs to play players keep telling me he's Mike Trout. Dave mentioned he could play a little left field. They put him at second base in scrimmages. They have to get this kid some at-bats this year because he's probably the guy next year as the everyday catcher. Now, with White, you know, he's improved a lot defensively. He's a good hitter. And, and I guess, Phil, getting back to kind of leading off, he played summer ball with Hagen when they were 15, 16, and 17 years old. He was the shortstop. Hagen was the pitcher. This kid's got a little athleticism to him, too. So, I mean, I don't think he doesn't fit the mold of – kind of a lead-footed catcher. I think the kid's got a little bounce to him. And I don't know, to your point, if that means he could play some other positions, but I do think, um, you, you know, he can kind of handle batting higher in the lineup than lower. You see that, Matt? Even the catchers that are recruited to play at Arkansas were shortstops. Hmm? Hey, I dig it. I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's why if, if you're a skill position player, you, you bet you got to play both sports in, in high school. You know, you got to play multiple sports. If, if you want to catch the ball and be a skill guy in the SEC, it's you got to be able to do more things. Same thing in baseball. You, you got to be good athletically. Hey, Brett, what do you think the plan will be at first base? I love McLaughlin. I, I mean, I think McLaughlin is a ball player, but he's a left-handed hitter. You got a right-handed option and Wagner. And I mean, I know he's hit really well. Um, how do you think that, that that first base shakes out this, well, at least to start the season? You know, I'm not sure, and, and it was a question I had too, and it's one that I kind of posed to Dave where it's kind of off the record but on the record where I can talk to him away from the pack like you get a chance to do on a regular basis. I, I don't think it's going to be a true platoon if I had to guess because I think McLaughlin can uh, hit left-handers, not just right-handers. I think they like Wagner from a leadership standpoint. He might have a little more power. Um, I think they'll both play, and I think you could see one of those guys as the DH. So that, that becomes the problem. If you're going to DH who's ever not starting, that means you can't DH a Ryder Helfrich, or you can't maybe throw White as a DH and let Parker Rowland catch a game. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of an abundance of riches, and it will sort itself out, but I do think both will play. I don't think it'll be a strictly platoon, but beyond that, I, I think it's still one that maybe Dave's not 100% sure on, on what it's going to look like three or four weeks from now. 
Hey, Brett, I, I, it was the first time we've had you on since the Super Bowl. What was your overall thoughts uh, on, on the Super Bowl? Better team won. San Francisco already fired their D.C. Kansas City uh, get, signs their D.C. to a contract extension. I, I think it could be something as simple as Dre Greenlaw was healthy. San Francisco could have won that game. But what, Boy, what, what were your that thoughts? Have been something. Yeah, you know, I think back when we talked about the, the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago, I think we both felt like Kansas City's defense was going to have a lot to say about the game and that maybe the better quarterback would win in the end, and that, that seemed to be the way it took place. I would suggest, though, that you know the subplots were that San Francisco misses an extra point and botches a punt return. The only touchdown drive the Chiefs had in regulation was an 11-yard drive after that botched snap. So... San Francisco's defense did a pretty good job on Mahomes, and yet given that second opportunity, his greatness came through in overtime. Um, I think we'll be talking about the overtime rules for a long time, though, in NFL coaches' clinics because the, the Niners taking that ball first was a little bit bizarre, maybe not completely understanding the concept of what takes place. But we saw it at the end. You know, Mahomes and, and his team found a way to, uh, to get it done, and the Niners were close but not close enough to overcome Mahomes and, and that Drake Greenlaw injury certainly, I think, had a lot to do about uh, the Niners maybe getting a chance to win. Then again, just make your damn extra point. You probably mm-hmm, win, too. Mm-hmm. I just like to see overtime be the same regular season, postseason. Um, we're, we're nowhere near where we're going to put, be putting runners at second base in the 10th inning in a college baseball game. Please, Brett, tell me we're not. Oh, I think we are. Oh. <laughs> I think we not are. this year, right? Well, so you get to go to Arlington next weekend, and I'll go to Houston in uh, two weekends. And I really think we're close to doing it for those events because you're playing three games a day or two games a day. You can't afford 14, 15 inning games to throw everything out of whack. I don't think coaches want 14, 15 inning games, too. So Arkansas softball team went to an event in Boca Raton last weekend. They got to extra innings, and they played international tiebreakers, which they don't play in the SEC, put a runner at second base, nobody out. And they did that, I'm sure, because it was a multi-team event. They're just trying to get the thing completed. So I, I think there's a possibility, at least in some of these early tournaments, we might see it. And then if they like it, who knows beyond that? All right, your scorebook ready? Got your pencil sharpened? You you ready for this tomorrow? I know this is your favorite thing. You've been doing play-by-play just like I have for the last few months, but this is your favorite thing. Oh, well, it is. Uh, although I get that little wrinkle of filling in for you and working with Bubba and coming into your little uh, condo apartment there on Sunday, which is going to throw me a little bit out of whack. You know, it's like going into a man's home and he gives you the keys and you have dinner with his family. You know, it's a little a little different, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'm just hoping we get all these games in. I know it's not going to be great weather tomorrow and Saturday, but listen, it's not been the easiest fall and winter for Razorback fans, so I hope they come out. I hope they enjoy it. This team gets off to a good start, and we can we can enjoy the next several months. Starts getting better now. Well, I'll tell you what. You can go ahead. You can have fun with my uh, arranged marriage uh, baseball spouse <laughs> and Bubba. Just don't take him out for drinks on Sunday night, okay? Oh, that might be a good idea. I kind of like that, though. Glad you threw that out there. Make, make sure he has something in his belly before you send him home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Brett Dolan joining us here on Halftime. Stay tuned. We'll come back Thanks, much Brett. more after the break. 
Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. With a 2 o'clock first pitch for the 3 o'clock first pitch, 250. So why don't we just stop the game at 255, wait for the flyover to come, and then just get back to baseball? Like, that's what, that's what the Cleveland Guardians are going to be doing when the, um, when the full solar eclipse hits. They're also in the path of totality. That stadium, they're going to have their home opener um, the day of... The full eclipse. And Cleveland's in the path of totality. So they're going to have to stop the game. You can't play baseball while there's a total eclipse of the sun. That's pretty good marketing. I think you're on to something, Phil. I think the flyover should go as scheduled. And you just just pause. Pause for a second and let it it warp through. I mean... Let everybody stand up. We'll hat. know what to do. Take your camera phones out. Take, and- take your hat off. You can even even play Jimi Hendrix version of the of the national anthem, Star Spangled Banner, if you want to. Uh, h- however you want to get it. And- I tell you what, Matt. I mean, I have a lot of really good ideas that suck. This is just a really good idea. I think this is something to try to build tomorrow around. If they were worried about moving the game time, and look, it's going to be cold at like five thirty, six o'clock. It's going to get into the thirties. So. Go ahead and make your jokes about can't play baseball in 38, 39-degree temperatures, but also don't complain when somebody's arm gets strained or hurt because of this uh, or somebody's leg gets pulled or whatever. So I have no problem at all moving the game up. Might be dodging a few raindrops at the start of the game, so it's just I don't think there was a perfect answer to this. But moving a, a, a flyover is a pretty difficult thing to do. <laughs> these... Uh, these uh, these professional uh, pilots and the airplanes kind of have other things that they'll usually be doing. So, yeah. I mean, what would it be, about third inning or so? We could stop the game for three minutes, enjoy the flyover, and just get back to baseball right after that. And now we'll have a whole new tradition to do on opening day. You're welcome. We've got Clarence in Fayetteville who held uh, for that last break. He also gave us another call after uh, I think he lost his cell phone signal a moment ago. What's up, Clarence? How you doing today? Hey, great, Phil. Great. Uh, how are you guys doing? How are you doing, man? Yes, sir. Doing well. Um, little story. Uh, so uh, this was uh, the fall of 1990, I believe. Uh, it might have been 89, but I'm pretty sure it was 90. Uh, in 10th grade at Fayetteville High School, and uh, ESPN was coming into town to do a football game. And a buddy of mine, this was on Thursday, of that week, it got wind that uh, ESPN would looking would be looking for uh, students or kids to help run cables and stuff uh, up to the booths and uh, help them get set up and that kind of thing. And uh, it was going to pay seventy five bucks, and we were going to get to help ESPN and watch the game and everything uh, and see things in the stadium that most people don't get to see. So uh, we were all about it. Uh, me and a couple other buddies, 
So we're ESPN shows up and we're running cables up and down the bleachers. Uh, and Tim Brando was the announcer, uh, the play by play there. I can't remember who the color analyst was, but, uh, met Tim Brando there. Um, and, uh, so we're running cables and everything. And, and Dean Weber came out, you know, and met us and stuff. And basically, uh, he was already kind of a legend, you know, at that point. And even though we were just in high school, we, we knew of who he was. And, uh, he came up to us and treated us great. Uh, he, you know, even though we were there to work, uh, he was almost there to serve us. You know, he asked us, you know, if we needed anything to come and let him know, um, and just treated us real kind, you know, just a bunch of kids off the street, you know, or that he didn't know that were just there helping ESPN, you know, and kind of the king of the stadium there and, uh, telling us that if we need anything to come and let him know. And so, uh, just my one interaction with the gentleman over the years, and it was a real good one. Uh, he was a kind soul, it seemed. And, uh, um, but uh, got to watch the uh, football game from the ESPN control truck there, get to sit in there and see all the different camera angles and watch the uh, director, you know, switching cameras and see all the things that you don't normally get to see, all the different camera angles. And um, um, just to add on, you know, uh, uh, about four weeks later after that game, a letter showed up for me in the mail, and it was a check from ESPN for 75 bucks. And uh, a 10-year-old in 1990, that was a uh, 15-year-old in 1990, that was a big deal. Uh, wish I still had that check, but I sure wouldn't cash it right away. Wow. that's uh, that's And this was the only time you'd ever interacted with Dean? Yes. Yep. Uh, first time I ever met him, and then the only time, and uh, just treated us, you know, real nice. I mean, just some boys, you know, that, uh, you know, like I said, uh, just some high school local boys that were helping ESPN do that, that, that day. And, uh, just a great guy. That's awesome. Clarence, I appreciate your time. Thanks for calling in with that story. 877-377-6963. If you want any more, if you have any more Dean Weber stories, um, you don't have to be nice to somebody like that. That wasn't necessary for Dean to be like that with, uh, with Clarence, but, it seemed like it was uh, his uh, modus operandi, Matt, to kind of reach out if somebody needed help, and he and he knew and he thought he could do something about it. Yeah, you know he was. Um, he's as good as they get, man. He was. Um, it's. it's I, I, I love not what, thinking you're better than somebody. You know, like there, there was kind of an equality to you. Like, hey, we're we're all in this together. I love all the stories that we're getting from from listeners, and it's great to hear from the media members or you, Matt. Um, you know, I mean. But but I think in some people's minds, be like, well, he has to be nice to Matt Jones, you know. But I mean, he was. Did he have to be nice to? Dow hey, he wasn't Loggins always too? nice to me. Yeah, no, he's a hey, he's a Dow Loggins fan. Now I went into his office uh, just uh, just just last year, and and you know, there's a big old South Carolina cap just right there because Dow's at South Carolina, so he's a he's a big time Dow fan. It's going to be some celebration of life, isn't it? That's I mean, it. His spirit's alive and well. Spirit, the Dean Weber spirit is is still still strong. I think it'll be something uh, definitely worth uh, worth uh, maybe trying to be at if we get the chance to. Uh, Clay had reminded me about it yesterday. Uh, April thirteenth, celebration of life. It's the A Club reunion. Same weekend as the football spring game. So that means you'll probably have a lot of players come back for it. I mean, you're you're two months off. So there's plenty of time to plan, and I think uh, we got to do something. We need to build something around that. I think that'd be worth trying to get some of those folks on to tell their stories about Dean Weber because I think that's what that's all about. That's what a celebration of life is. Eight seven seven three seven seven 
69-63 when you get with this here. It's funny. I mean, I will, and I'll always equate hearing stories about Dean to, you know, my interactions with Bill Valentine, whom, you know, is an Arkansas legend, too, for different reasons, but also involved in sports. Um, Bill could rub people the wrong way, though, sometimes. You know, and I think he he's he he passed eight or nine years ago. He wouldn't mind me saying that because he was very well aware. He didn't really care very much. Um, but it's like where the uh, you know who I always saw that would treat him with reverence, and I wonder how other athletic trainers, you know, in other athletic departments viewed somebody like Dean when the umpires would show up at the Travelers Ballpark because Bill was an American League umpire for six years who who was fired because he tried to start the umpires union. And I would hope that any umpire that came to work a game at that park knew that this was a man who lost his career, you know, kind of trying to fight for rights for those people who are screamed at and cursed at and bitched at everywhere they go. So I think they knew that. They came in um, to sort of not kiss the ring, but (laughs) almost just like get eyes on him, say hello, uh, and you don't go to that park without saying hello. But there were also, like, the players despised the man because <laughs> he wanted to win. And if he didn't, if the team didn't, he knew who to blame. It would be the players. It would be the manager. They didn't always love him. The umpires did. The umpires did. I could only imagine, and maybe there's an athletic trainer out there. We had some people that texted in yesterday that worked for Dean Weber as a student athletic trainer or an intern and went on to a medical career and have been, have been in the medical field, been doctors for decades now. I mean, just think of, we talk about like a coaching tree, right? Think of Frank Broyles' coaching tree and how famous it is. What about a Dean Weber medical tree? Mm-hmm. Dude, this, that, would be a, that would be a tree with branches that are so long. <laughs> well, it would spawn off the Frank Broyles' tree because didn't Frank hire Dean? It's like that's, it would, it would it, yeah. Tyler in Fort Smith next on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Hey, man, pretty good. How are you guys? Great, thank you. Great. Hey, uh, do we know if any there's any like, new regulations for the field this year as far as opening day goes, like bringing things in or what we can or can't bring? Or Well, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything that's any different from what it was last year. You can bring in a cooler and, you know, you can have a flag if you're in the hog pen. And, I mean, coolers in the hog pens and whatever the rules were before, but... Uh, it's not necessarily the things that I worry about too often because, look, you're probably not also allowed to bring a bat inside the ballpark, but my radio partner brings one in every single day. So um, maybe the rules might be a little bit different from one to another. Let's break. We'll talk with Neil Atkinson from Bet Sarazen in just a moment. I'll also, I'll also take a look and see if there's any changes as far as what's allowed in, what's not allowed in, but I don't think things are all that different. Just make sure you've got that Razorback app on your phone because that's how your tickets um, get you into, inside the stadium, and you, you can't forget about that. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas, is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com.
Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Neil Atkinson from Betsair is joining us here a little earlier uh, instead of uh, tomorrow. And we had to kind of add quickly, Neil, of course, because baseball was switched from 3 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Um, and that gets into the golden hour quite a bit. So thanks for coming on today. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Maybe licking my little wounds from uh, how well how the Super Bowl went as far as uh, the book's perspective went. But uh um, on the other side of that, uh, I'm really, really pleased. I mean, we did 90% more handle last year and had very, very few customer issues or glitches or, or anything along that lines. Um, it was very, very, very smooth. And um, a, a 1,000 people signed up for Bet Saracen on Super Bowl Sunday. Hadn't seen that in a while, so that was nice to see, just, just to show you uh, – on, on, there's still a lot of people uh, finding us and, and 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 jumping on the platform and doing a little fun sports bet. So tell me what the you know what happened with the Super Bowl as far as Bet Sarazen was concerned and how much of that had to do with the fact that the game went into overtime. Yeah, the game going into overtime, uh, of course, is always and with these new overtime rules, is always going to be advantageous to the players because that's more time, more plays, uh, especially on the player prop uh, angle. So you know that you know that's an opportunity for players to get more catches, more receipts, uh, more yardage, and uh, and of course more scoring opportunities. So the more that you have that in the game, the always more we're going to pay out just due to how much people are betting on the prop side of it now. Um, um, and it going to overtime, boy, I, the, the the players really needed that because eighty five percent of all of the money that we had at the end of the day was either on the Kansas City Chiefs on against the spread. Or the money line, and the money line was, I think, positive 105, 110. Some people got it out, but we actually paid out more than the bet um, because you know they because uh, San Francisco was a slight favorite. So customers were pretty happy on Monday morning. We paid out a lot of money. They got processed uh, out over a million dollars in withdrawals by noon on Monday morning. So uh, yeah, they they really cashed in and did well. I feel like going into overtime and just the fact that San Francisco. Um, you know, kicks the field goal, gives Mahomes the opportunity to win it with a, a game-ending drive in the end zone, and he does exactly that. I mean, the, most of the money as far as who the MVP was going to be was on Mahomes, but those yep. bettors, you know, as far as that one bet were concerned, they had to be kind of biting their fingernails in those last couple of minutes. But when they got the ball back, when the Chiefs have the ball back needing a touchdown to win, and we all kind of expected what was going to happen, mm-hmm. at that point it felt like, well, you knew who the MVP was going to be. Oh yeah, absolutely, and and I'm telling you what, the sports books also uh, we did uh, especially by by um, um, Kelsey not getting a touchdown, um, and um, um, I just slipped my mind on the other one. Uh, by those not getting a touchdown in the game, you know that would have been a really really big players' day uh, if if Kelsey would have gotten a touchdown. And Pachenko, I'm sorry, Pachenko was the other one. If if either one of those would have gotten a touchdown, I mean it would have been a really really banner day for the players. Um, 
Not so much for Vegas. I think Vegas, they actually won a little money. They held about 3%, but being that Vegas is a little bit closer to California, they probably had a lot more balance booked than I did. I mean, of course, as we know, the local bias here is, is, is really what made the difference. So, hey, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, and uh, and it's not always a bad thing when the players win because, uh, you know, that, that just gives them confidence when they do get a big score that, you know, that we're going to – we're going to come through, pay them their money, give them the good odds, and give them the content that they want to bet. So uh, now we've got uh, now we got for football, and I mean football is always going to drive sports gambling. But you got you got pitchers and catchers reporting now. NBA yep. basketball season's got a couple of months in the regular season. NHL is about close. College baseball starting, but how much does professional football still drive uh, traffic at Betsera's and during the off season? You know. That's that's the biggest challenge that I have right now is is identifying the people that were football only betters and 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 making it or giving them the opportunity or uh, or exposing them to the different other sports that they may be interested in. Of course, basketball is natural here in Arkansas. Baseball is really really big, uh, not just because of the Hogs. I mean, uh, MLL MLB betting, um, you know, is, is pretty is is starting to. We saw a huge uptick. Uh, last year between the previous year and now that we have flash bets in full swing uh, on MLB and 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 also on the NBA we're seeing that um, really really pick up also um, you know it's just funny uh, the third most best sport on, on the site right now is table tennis I mean who would have thought you've told us for a tennis- while how popular table tennis is man that's still so surprising Oh, it, it really is. But I know the, I mean, the reason why is, is because most of those matches are only 20 minutes long. Yeah. And now that on the uh, TT Cup and some of the Liga Cups, when you log on to the, uh, the app and a lot of those games are now streamed. So you can watch them play the game live with your betting menu underneath of it and make your selections, you know, while you're watching it. And some of it's kind of fun because some of those players get a little frustrated and, and, they, and they get a little animated, a little John McEnroe-ish uh, is what it reminds me of. So it's, a, it's also entertaining and fun. And when we do an upgrade here about two weeks from uh, Tuesday, we're greatly enhancing our betting slip to make it even easier to make flash bets. And we're having a huge, uh, uh, one of the most popular things on the site that we're going to be adding to is, is that we're going to greatly enhance our same-game parlay capability. And we can't wait for people to see that because the functionality of that uh, in the testing is amazing. And uh, can't wait for that to be out also. Well, right the, parlays are where, the parlays are where we usually see you know, some of the, the really big dollar figures. I mean, that's how you can turn a smaller amount of money into a heck of a lot more money. But now you're talking about in-game, like actual same-game parlays uh, instead of right. stringing a few games together. Right. And and right now, I mean, we have had a capability where if you do a same-game parlay, um, we've had some markets because of the correlation. You couldn't add those into there. Well, with this enhancement, we're going to be able to allow a lot more combinations uh, to be able to be done. And we've gone a step further. A lot of these platforms and um, – you have to you have to toggle a switch on the thing to to do a same game parlay. Um, our enhancement is going to be whereas is if you create a parlay and a bet, we're going to have it. Uh, if that bet is eligible for a SGP uh, for a same game parlay, you'll be able to know it. And if you put a selection, uh, and if you do a selection uh, in your bet slip, you'll have the option of doing the same game parlay 
And if it's something's not eligible, then you can skip down to a traditional parlay and, and do it without having to swiggle, I mean, uh, swap back and forth and put, put uh, uh, markets in and out of your bet slip. You'll have the options of the same game parlay and a regular parlay there, and you can make your decision a lot easier and a lot faster. Just making it where you don't have to do as much work and uh, basically give the players what they're asking for. So Neil, with 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 baseball season starting, I know some fans would want to get in their you know their their preseason props, and you can do all kinds of props on baseball as to how many wins each team will make will get if they make the playoffs, MVP races, World Series winners, uh, home run leaders, all that kind of stuff. But but for the team odds, you realize how many free agents are still out there that have not signed. Yep. I mean, even a reigning Cy Young Award winner and Blake Snell, he has not signed a right. contract. Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger. I mean, there's a really lengthy list. The odds will change uh, based upon when some of these free agents get signed and who signs them. So, I mean, I'm seeing the Dodgers plus 375 to win the World Series right, right. now. This stuff is going to it's going to change rapidly when some of these free agents sign up. Absolutely. And 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 that which makes our Bet Saracen marketplace on our platform uh, such an, a, a, an advantageous feature for people that like to bet feature, uh, the future bets. Because if you pick one of these up and they get a blockbuster trade or they sign a blockbuster free agent and their odds go way down because they've, they, they've, they've enhanced their roster and you got them at the longer price, uh, you will, can make the decision to put that bet on the marketplace and somebody can pick that up. Also, conversely, if you're looking to not do all the research and somebody places a bet up there and goes ahead and, and composes a parlay or does a future and they price it right, and, and we're adding some features where you can see if, if it's below market pricing or above market, in other words, if it's a good value or not, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have an indicator on that bet. Like it's, it's 8% better than you can get if you compose that bet yourself right now. And and you can pick up some very good values up there, and 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 not have to do the work because you've had people put it out there for you. So um, the marketplace we're seeing getting used. It was incredible to see how much it exploded during the Super Bowl, especially for people that had parlays that had Kansas City or San Francisco to win the world. I mean, to win the um, Super Bowl, and um, that was the only thing left in there. And a lot of people put those parlays out there. And, and a lot of them were picked up, and, and, and some, some at very, very good values. Some of them, you know, were some nice prices. So um, that, 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 was, that was fun to see that, that product evolve over the Super Bowl, and we expect to see a lot of that during March Madness, too. Let's, cl- let's close on the next big thing, which is March Madness, about a month away. Um, where you guys got anything new planned on Bet Sarazen for the NCAA tournament? Well, we're going to have a lot of pre-built parlays for you because people love the parlays. So we're going to have pre-built parlays uh, that should be available for the March Madness there, too. And the number one thing that you're going to notice is is the same-game parlay feature. You're going to be able to parlay a lot more different props, a lot more different games, across different games. Uh, You're going to see that. But the number one, the other thing that you're going to really, really like is the way we've redesigned the bet slip to where if you're making a straight bet, the bet slip will pop up out of the bottom. You can even, if you have a favorite bread amount, like $10, $25, or $50, you'll be able to preset those bet amounts, and this is, will be really big for the flash betting. You can even set it as low as a dollar, and then if you make your selection, the bet slip will pop up, and you can hit that one button, and it will automatically strike that bet, so you have the opportunity of getting that in. That's one of the 
biggest feedbacks that we got because people had to swip, uh, swip, swap a page to get to their bet slip after they make their selection. So we listened to them and did a lot of research to get this up and running, and, and we can't wait to reveal that here in a couple of weeks. So that's what the players have been asking for, so that's what we're going to give them. I know I've said that a lot, but, hey, I think that's why we have the success on Bet Saracen is because we listen to our players and give them what they want, and if we don't have it, we work on getting it to them. Well, enjoy listening to you, Neil. Thanks for coming on with us today. We'll do it again next week, all right? All righty. Uh, everybody bet with your head and not over it. Have fun. Hey, look at the baseball uh, uh, futures. we got college, uh, both softball and baseball up right now. Look for that. And uh, spring, spring games are getting ready to get populated in the feed, too. So lots to look forward to. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.